0: Last week, last week, I brought in a wheelbarrow full of junk. Was anybody here for that? Wheelbarrow full of junk. Yeah, I know, y'all are still talking about it. I'm still getting questions. I've had someone this week say, what was that again? That looked like junk. And I was like, that's correct. I brought in a wheelbarrow full of junk. What I didn't bring in, it was, uh, it was, uh, if, you, if you missed it, it, was, uh, it were some of the parts they're all still in the back of my car because I hadn't gotten to the salvage yard yet. It was some of the parts of a, of a home gym that, uh, was in, that, that we bought a couple years back, and it was in the corner of our garage, and um, we used all the time. <clears throat> no, we didn't use it all the time, and I took it apart. And, and so I brought in some of the parts, and I talked about taking things apart. But, but um, what I didn't bring in was I didn't bring in the fasteners. That went with it and uh, and I'm saving those for today because here's the deal when you go to take a thing apart right uh, it it never works out that one tool works and me being a man (coughs) I'm never going to bring all the tools to the job to begin with can I get an amen to that right first rule of manhood is you don't read the yeah exactly you don't read the you don't read the instructions you know you read the bible you don't read the instructions and and the second of all is you don't bring all the tools you need right off because what fun would that be and so I show up to I mean I, I show up to the garage to take this thing apart and uh and 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 I've got I've got like a a, a five eight socket you know wrench and I'm, I'm I'm knocking it out and I'm taking things apart and then and then I realize whoa that's really too big and that well that's a half inch and and here's the thing uh, a half inch and and five eighths are really different right so you got to go to the other pl- I mean, they are they are brian um there you, you have to go back and you have to the tool shed and you got to get the stuff and you get back there and then all of a sudden they throw they, they throw i mean you know like here's here's like a five eighths and that would be like a half inch and then and then they throw like well this has like Uh, a hex wrench you know end on it and so you got to go find a hex wrench and 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 before you're done you got to have a phillips head screwdriver you got to have all this stuff and wouldn't it be amazing if they made a tool that could do all of it in one right and i know what you're thinking swiss army knife but come on guys like no no you don't bring a swiss army knife to take apart a home gym you know wouldn't it be amazing and i don't think they do but wouldn't it be amazing if they made a tool that could do all of it i mean i can uh, i can dream for just a second wouldn't it be amazing if they made that kind of tool now bigger question We're, we're four or five weeks into talking about about love and we've been doing it with different topics you know parenting ambition obedience we got we got knowledge coming up next week we're we're Today, we're talking about love and marriage. And I wanted so badly to bring in, like, Frank Sinatra and and sing the song, except that song's been sort of tainted because of that. um, It was the theme song for that really just average, you know, married with children show. It was so, it was so, I didn't love it. I didn't love it. Um, uh, It was kind of funny, but they were all so bad to each other. Paul suggests that there might actually be this multi-tool for not just marriage, but for our relationships, not just for our relationships, but for our own hearts. And I'd like to talk about that today, but first I'd like to answer the question that at least some of you have right now, which is, why would we talk about marriage in church when not every person in church is? And it's a good question. So let's, 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 let's talk about it. I, I believe that the way that the Bible talks about marriage is so fundamentally woven into the fabric of the gospel itself that to listen to the truths that, that the Bible says about marriage is actually to listen to the truths about what the Bible says about the gospel. I believe that the way the Bible talks about marriage is so good that, that if you fit into any of these categories, and maybe you fit into a couple of them, that, 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 that anyone who is married needs to hear this. But, but anyone who cares about people who are married needs to hear this. Anyone who lives with people who are married. Anyone who, anyone who works with people who are married. Anyone who's friends with people who are married. Anyone who's enemies with, okay, probably not that one. But. And then lastly, anyone who would want to be married needs to hear what the Bible has to say about marriage. And of course, of course, the challenge is the Bible's talking about marriage at the very beginning, like page two, and at the very end, in the last couple of pages. And so this morning, I invite you to turn to me. Turn with me to um, to Ephesians chapter five, where Paul talks about marriage in some of the best and yet most challenging and difficult places and ways in all of the scriptures. If you'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter five, I've actually, um, and I might, I might refer to this in a second, but, uh, but I've, I don't know that I've ever preached on some of these verses before, which actually probably says as much about how I'm trying to learn and grow about, about how this is all woven into the gospel as, as anyone. Ephesians chapter five, and go right to the end. Verses 31, 32, and 33, and hear what Paul says. He's actually quoting uh, and referring to to Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. It says, This is why a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two of them will be one body. Some translations say one flesh. He then comments on this. This is Paul commenting on the Scripture. Marriage is a significant allegory, though your Bibles might have different words there than significant allegory. And I'm applying it to Christ and the church. In any case, as for you individually, each one of you should love his wife as himself, and wives should respect their husbands. This is the word of God, for we the people of God, and we say together, Thanks be to God. Right there in the middle of it, can you throw back up verse uh, 32? Right there in the middle of it, he says marriage is a significant allegory, but, <clears throat> but the words significant allegory are the English words of a Greek translation. You've heard me say that like 50 times, 100 times, right? And so, so I want to talk about the original words because the original words have even greater meaning and depth. This, this is actually a translation of two Greek words and they are mega- mega musterion mega musterion and you're exactly right if you say that sounds like he's saying marriage is a great mystery that's exactly what he says it's a great mystery meaning that it's that it's wondrous but it's also not fully understood now here's what's fascinating is that he uses that same term, mysterion, the Greek term, to describe not just marriage in this one place. He uses that exact same term to describe in other places, literally, God's plans to save and redeem the world. So Paul says God's plans to save and redeem the world are mysterions. And marriage is mysterion. Could it, could it be that Paul is saying that there is, there is something connected between how God is saving the world and also how God wants us to live married? Mysterion. Well, Well, if he says that it is this mystery, then the question for all of us is, what's the secret? What's the sequel? If you got about eight hours <coughs> and a thousand dollars, you can attend my webinar on um, <coughs> on marriage. That Julie says I am prohibited from actually offering. Um, <coughs> I don't have really a webinar on marriage, and Paul's webinar on marriage would be would be a lot shorter than you'd think, because he actually answers the question, what's the secret of marriage? He actually answers the question in the previous verses. And it's actually not just limited to marriage. So what I'd like to do this morning is I'd like to read backwards. Can we do that? I want to get the context of this big, big giant statement that marriage is this mega mystery, like like how God is saving the world is a mega mystery, but I want to get the context by reading backwards. So we go back to Ephesians chapter five, verses 24, right in front of it. And this is, the part that, this is the part that I don't think I've ever, ever once used in any of the 73 weddings I've done. I haven't. And I'll tell you why. Because some of you are going, well, why wouldn't you read it? It's in the Bible. Because, because in 90 seconds or two minutes or three minutes of a wedding ceremony, we, we, the preachers, we cannot do justice to the significance of these words to a room that is mixed because if, if you're not a Christian, you're not a believer, you're in the wedding, you're, you're listening, you might be in the wedding ceremony, but you're, but you're listening to what the preacher says, and the preacher gets up and says, hey, wives, you need to submit to your husbands, then you're immediately elbowing the person you came with, and you're like, see, I told you, the church is so backwards on women, right? The church has got it so backwards. The church, they're just way back in the dark ages, and, 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 and I don't have time to, ch- to talk you out of it. I don't have time, but we have time right now, so let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. So wives submit to their husbands in everything like the church submits to Christ. As for husbands, love your wives just like Christ loved the church. And you go, okay, all right. So so husbands are getting off a, a little light, you know. Women have to submit, and husbands, all they have to do is love, right, you know. And husbands love loving, you know, and, 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 and wives, they got to submit. I mean, you know, like, hey, oh my gosh, yeah, 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 yeah. Except for that one little part is that there's not a period yet in the sentence. How are they supposed to love their wives? Just like. I love, I love the fact that they have the word just in there. It's not like it. It's just like it. It's exactly like it. It is completely, entirely like Christ. Loved the church and gave himself for her. And we ask, well, well, what did that look like? Oh, yeah, that's right. What did he do? He died. And before he died, he was tortured and lied about and spit upon and abused He did this to make her, he's talking about the church, to make the church holy by washing her in a bath of water with the word. He did this to present himself with a splendid church. Because throughout the scriptures, we understand that the way the world is gonna be put back together is that the savior of the world is gonna come and receive the church as his bride. one without any sort of stain or wrinkle on her clothes, but rather one that is holy and blameless. And then then, then he says it right here. That's how husbands ought to love their wives. Paul says, he says, the example given by Christ is the pattern that we're to follow. We were, at the work, we were at the work day yesterday. And we're, uh, and we're, we, meaning I was like toting wood and stuff like that. Um, and I didn't have any nail guns go through my fingers. So it was really a good day, right? <clears throat> but but, but you're, you're cutting more pieces than one. And, uh, and, and I, there were two or three groups in our church alone that were doing this. So you'd, you'd establish a pattern. And then you'd just put down every other piece of wood and you'd cut it to fit the pattern. Jesus is the pattern. Not just for marriage, but for every believer. Jesus is the pattern and the power for how we can pull this off. That's how husbands ought to love their wives, in the same way as they do their own bodies. Anyone who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hates his own body, but feeds it and takes care of it, just like Christ does for the church, because we are parts of his body. This is a word, not just, not just for the married people in the room, this is a word for all of us. The the secret that Paul is talking about is not marriage itself, but the secret of Jesus' own ministry. Jesus' own ministry can be summarized as submitting. That's how Jesus lived. And Paul says says that this submitting is both, both Jesus offering us the pattern and the power for our marriage it's the pattern and the power for our relationships it's the pattern and the power for my own heart jesus is how to do marriage right i like the way that tim keller says it in his book it's called uh it's called the meaning of marriage, and many of you know. Um, I, I've done uh, I, I've done these weddings, and, and I and I give I give the couples that I meet with in advance homework, and I have them read a, a book, two books, uh, and forever and ever and ever, I've I've had them read um. Gary Chapman's book, uh, the Five Love Languages, and that, I'm going to keep doing that because that book is phenomenal. It's really great, and and uh, and it's not just for, for marriage. Like every person needs to know their love language because it's so fundamental to the way we interact to people and, and the way we uh, sort of uh or care, care for our own selves. But but here lately, the second book I've been giving um, for a few years now since I listened to it myself is is Tim Keller's book. Because it's so good and it so lines up with how I understand God uses marriage. And, And he writes this. He writes this on the challenges of marriage. The challenges of marriage are the very challenges that we all have with our own human nature. He says, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. It is this this truth of our sinfulness. But it is also this love of Jesus' acceptance. And and, and the the thing is that, that love without truth is sentimentality and truth without love is just harshness and neither one of those things is good you must have both for them to mean anything and jesus gives us both he offers this radical truth about our sinfulness and a radical love despite all of it and i believe that that is the gospel and yet and yet we still find ourselves confronted with this word submit that quite frankly, a lot of us in the room don't love. I'll, be, I'll, I'll tell you. I mean, you heard me already say, I, I don't think, I don't think, I, I, I preached my first sermon in 2000. I, I, don't, I don't think in 19 years that I've ever used some of these verses in a sermon on a Sunday morning. And, 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 and the more I've been thinking about it, it's because of the spiritual warfare that has been waged against the word submit. Because because, because hell wants nothing more than to drive, a, and this is not the only word, but we're going to talk about this word. It wants nothing more than to drive a wedge between the truth of what God says about the word submit and the way the world is currently understanding it. That submitting is a bad thing, and God says, no, submitting is the only thing. And, and, and the world's like, no, 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 you need to be your own person and your own, you know, and, and he's like, no, 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 for, for, I made you a person. I know all of that, but the best way to be a person is to submit to me that's what faith means and that's what hope means and that's what trust is all about and 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 hell is like just driving this wedge right between it and so no wonder we're struggling with this word and yet and yet this word undergirds what it means to be well according to paul what it means to actually be filled with the spirit because that's exactly what he says in the verses right before what we read. If you go back one more time to Ephesians 5, it's the last time, but if you go back one more time, we're reading it backwards, we're reading it backwards, but this is what he says. Halfway through verse 518, instead, Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. What's fascinating about Ephesians is it doesn't have, it doesn't have the traditional um, intro, it doesn't have the traditional words of thanksgiving, it doesn't have a lot of the traditional markers of a, of a Paul letter, And and, and for a long time now, we've believed that that's because this this was not a letter to a specific location. This was a letter to a bunch of churches. I believe we are one of the churches that Paul wrote this letter to. He didn't know us, but we're the ones that are supposed to hear it. And this is what he says to us. You should be filled with the Spirit in the following ways. And then he starts offering this list, and it's a really good list. Speak to each other with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So the band helps us with that. Sing and make music to the Lord in your hearts. Got it, check. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good, good. Verse 21. Sorry. Oh, you don't have 21. Hey, guess what? I do. <clears throat> and then finally, how terrible is this? That's, this is like the most important verse of the whole morning and I didn't load it last night. <laughs> and finally, submit to each other out of respect for christ so so let, let me explain what we just heard paul says be filled with the spirit in the following ways and he says this and he says this and he says this, and he says this. I mean, and it's and it's it, and it's like it's like you should speak to each other with words of encouragement that sound like songs, and for that matter, you should sing songs, and for that matter, you should go around just giving thanks all the time, and for that matter, you should be kind to each other. And oh, by the way, the list ends with submit. Paul, okay, just one more time. Paul says, You can't. You can't list out what it's like to be filled with the Holy Spirit unless you include submit on the list. This isn't just about marriage. This is about this is about our very soul. So what have I learned about marriage in 19 years? That it's wonderful and difficult. And when I look back on the times that it was most difficult, my sinfulness is wrapped up in every one of those moments. Like I'm the problem with marriage. And I've got one person, one person that can testify to that better than anybody else. I'm the problem with marriage. Because marriage is hard. But we have a choice. We, we have a choice when it comes to love and, and, and what, what is required. And this is what C.S. Lewis says about it. There's, there's this long quote to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one—not even an animal, like a like a pet. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin. Of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. Your heart will not be broken, it will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. We must submit making ourselves vulnerable in order for it to work. This is the pattern that Jesus gives us. But he doesn't leave us just with the pattern. He also gives us the power himself. Anybody in the room, I'm going to leave one group out, I'm going to leave one group out, but anybody in the room who's been married for, like, say, more than a year, but maybe less than five years. Anybody in the room? More than a year. I see you over there. More than a year and less than, less than five. Anybody in the room been married five years to maybe, I don't know, 20 something, 20 years? Anybody in the room been married five years to 20? Yep, I see you. That's, that's me. I, we've been married 19 years. Yeah. Any, anybody been married more than 20 years? Uh, oh, there we go. There we go. Yeah. Now, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. If, it, if anybody raised your hand at all, raise it again. Everybody, everybody in the room. Yeah, th- okay, then th- answer that, right. Here's the deal. Everyone who's raising their hand, everyone is testimony to the truth of what the Bible has just told us. Because, because you can't be married longer than 365 days. Maybe in the first 365 days, maybe you've hit each other over the head with some kind of like love potion on it, whatever, whatever, right? But after 365 days, you cannot be married without having experienced the truth of every bit of this that it's difficult, that it makes you vulnerable. And you cannot do it without submitting. And this is the truth for all of us. I I believe this, and this is how I close. Three simple statements. God works through all things together for our good. That's Romans 8, 28, we know that. God works through all things together for our good. And the greatest good that God can do for us is to grow us in holiness. So of all the things that God works together through, I believe marriage is one of the single most powerful ways that God works to grow us in holiness. There are others, so many others. But the meaning of marriage is for us to learn what it means to be a child of God. To be filled with the Spirit and to submit like Christ submitted. This is the gospel. And all God's people said, amen, amen.